Hello and welcome once again to the Perimeter Church Podcast. Be honest, of all the things on your fear list for this year, how many of you had global pandemic in the top 10? Lead teacher Jeff Norris starts the new series, Fear Not, Trusting Christ in the Midst of Crisis, with this sermon entitled, Jesus is Our Sustainer, which covers Psalm 55, verse 22, Hebrews chapter 1, verses 1 to 3, Colossians chapter 1 verses 15 to 17 and John chapter 1 verses 1 to 3. For more information and to watch or hear other messages, please visit our website at perimeter.org. Thank you for joining us today. Let me pray for us and then let me introduce this series called Fear Not that we're starting this morning. So let's pray. Father, thank you for this time together this morning. Lord, um, we continue to grieve the loss of being able to meet the way that we would want to. Uh, But Lord, we continue to be thankful for modern technology, for the ability to still through, through this medium to be gathered together, all those scattered about. We do pray and ask that you bless our time together in the word this morning. We pray and trust that you have been glorified and and honored in our singing and our confessing of sin are praying already together this morning as Caleb has led us. And now as we open your word and as we've given our tithes and offerings and as we open your word, Lord, would you, would you bless this time? And would you bless this series, these next five weeks together? May it be a time where you meet tenderly with your people and comfort our hearts and teach us, O oh Lord. And we pray that you would do that for your glory Your glory alone, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So we're talking about fear. And and as I think about fear in my life, I think about how that word has been a word um, that has haunted me at times. I think about the fear that I carry with me in so many different ways, in so many different manifestations of how of how it comes out. Um, I've told you before, if you've been with us as a member or a tender of Perimeter, you may have heard me talk about how uh, I have struggled a lot in my life with fear of sickness uh, and death. Uh, A bit of a hypochondriac for sure is is a part of my past. Um, I fear, um, you may not believe this, but I fear that that what people think about me in the sense of when I was younger, I was, I was incredibly shy. That's the part you may not believe. Uh, but I was so worried. I was so fearful of what people might think about me. If I put myself out there, if I spoke up and said what was really on my mind. And so a lot of times, especially as a kid, I just shrunk back fearful. I'm fearful of, uh, all kinds of things. I, I, I fear, I fear uh, oftentimes I play out these horrible situations and circumstances uh, that what, what could possibly, what might ha- uh, possibly happen to my wife and to my kids. And all these things begin to stir up in my mind of fear for them. I fear, you know, I fear heights. I fear snakes, which let's be honest, if you don't fear snakes, something's wrong with you. Um, I fear uh, uh, because of my fear of heights, I fear uh, flying. 
I fear tight spaces, also known as claustrophobia. And even now, I'm fearing that as I lay all this out in front of you, I'm fearing that you are thinking, wow, what a fearful guy. That you're, that you're just going, man, get a grip. But fear is a part of all of our lives. It's a reality. It's a common human experience. I don't have to convince you of that. Many of the things that I just shared, I'm trusting that you, you, you feel that too. You experience those same fears, if not others. Fear can be a good thing. There is such a thing as good fear. It's, it's good to be fearful of snakes. It's good to be fearful of, uh, even today, as I hear thunder around me, even this morning, it's good to be fearful of storms and take precaution, those kind of things. But a lot of times, fear can be damaging. And so what, what we can maybe categorize fear in is we can categorize them as some as, ir- as irrational fears, others as very rational fears. But fear, and however it comes about in those two categories, fear is a common experience to us all. And so the issue is not necessarily will fear be a part of our lives. The issue is more what do we do with it? And to what extent does it control our lives? The Bible speaks a great deal about fear. We we can turn seemingly, it feels this way sometimes, that you can turn on any page of the Bible and at some point you might very well read about fear. And what God says the many times, the, the many times he says, do not fear, do not be afraid. Then there's the fear of the Lord that comes up often in Scripture. But all throughout Scripture, certainly I won't quote all of them, but you know, one of the first verses we have our kids memorize, if you're raising your kids in the church, is Joshua 1, 9, uh, do not be afraid, do not fear, be strong and courageous, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you may go. You have the the many times that Jesus even speaks about fear and worry and anxiety in Matthew 6. He says, therefore, I tell you, do not worry, which is so closely related to fear. Our our worrying feeds fear and vice versa. You have in Philippians 4, do not be anxious about anything. Then you have in 1 John chapter 4, perfect love drives out fear. Of course, one of my favorite passages in all of scripture is is Isaiah 43, one through three, where he says, fear not for I've redeemed you. I have called you by name. You are mine. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And through the rivers, they will not overwhelm you. And when you walk through the fire, you will not be burned and the flames will, will not overwhelm you. Why? Because I am the Lord, your God, the Holy One of Israel, your savior. The scriptures talk again and again about fear. But I want to be honest with you. I want to just just tell you what I struggle with. Sometimes it doesn't feel realistic. Sometimes it doesn't feel realistic to not fear. When Jesus says, but I tell you, don't worry, there's a part of me that goes, okay, I'll try, but that ain't going to happen. When Philippians 4 says, do not be anxious about anything, there's that part of me that doubts that says, how is that even possible? When the Bible talks about fear, 
Is it talking about the removal of fear? Or is it talking about perhaps maybe the reorientation of fear? Here's my answer. I would say yes. It's both. Here's maybe the line that I want you to get for the whole series that kind of is the overarching truth for the whole series, and it's this. Trusting an almighty God increasingly removes our irrational fears and reorients our rational ones. Begins to help us through the power of Christ within us, if you're a follower of Jesus, to see what is irrational and say, yeah, that, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give that to the Lord in, in such a way that he does remove that fear. And then those that are worth fearing over those things, it may be unrealistic to think that those things are going to go away, be totally removed in my human experience. But in the hands of Jesus, they can certainly be reoriented in a way that's healthy, in a way that's profitable. Jesus is, like always, models this for us so well. We see it so clearly for him. Think back to when Jesus was in the Garden of Gethsemane, and he's dealing with the um, the amazing, overwhelming emotions that he did. There's debate on uh, among scholars is, was he feeling fear in that moment? That's debatable whether it was fear or not. What we do know from the Greek, from the, from the words that are used as the scriptures tell us about that night, is that he was experiencing uh, great agony and sorrow. So whatever the emotions were, if you will, whether it was um, agony, sorrow, maybe some fear mixed in of what he knew was coming, uh, we don't know, but whatever it was that he was feeling in that moment, in, the, in those hours leading up to the cross, here's what Jesus did with them. As he poured out his heart, as he poured out his anguish, as, as he uh, poured out his emotions to the Father, in the same way that the psalmists teach us how to do that, he reorients everything that he's feeling and he places it into the hands of the Father. He's trusting in the sovereignty and in the good purposes of the Father as the perfect sinless Son. You know, the scriptures tell us in Hebrews chapter 4 that he was tempted in every way that we are, yet was without sin. So that includes he was tempted to fear. And so he's walked through it, but here's the, here's the thing that I want you to hear. It's in Jesus that we most appropriately deal with our fear, but not, listen to this, not in just looking to him as our model, but in trusting him as our master. It's not just looking to him and say, wow, I just, I hope I can do it like he did, because that's ultimately going to lead to disappointment because we'll never be able to do it like he did. We can't, we can't do it. We're fallen beings imperfect in so many ways, in every way. But here's what we want to do. We want to look to Jesus. We want to do exactly what Hebrews tells us to do. We want to look at Jesus, but not just look to him. We want to trust him. Listen to what Hebrews says, though. I love this language. It says, therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, 
the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. These are the two verses that are coming off an entire chapter, Hebrews chapter 11. You may have heard it referred to before as the, uh, the chapter, the Hall of Fame of Faith. The Hall of Faith even, maybe, as, as it's shortened oftentimes. But uh, what this chapter in chapter 11 is, is it's detailing for us all these people who have gone before us, many of whom throughout the scriptures are, are referred to. And they experience great anguish, great loss, Many were killed for their faith, lots of martyrs, lots of people who didn't receive what they were promised from God uh, before they died. And yet these are people who experienced the temptation of fear just like you and I do, but continued to persevere. And they did so through the power of the Lord Jesus within them. And so it's coming off this chapter that the author of Hebrews is able to, sell, able to say, therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, what shall we do? Let's fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and the perfecter of our faith. And did you catch it? Did you catch what it said next? Who for the joy set before him endured the cross. So even in the midst of his anguish and his agony and his suffering and his sorrow, he was actually joyful. And you go, how in the world is that possible? And so here's the good news for the follower of Jesus. If we only look to Jesus as our model, we'll be disappointed because we won't ever be able to do it. But if we trust him as our master, then what the scriptures tell us is that Jesus, the king of the universe, dwells within us. And the very same joy that he was able to experience in the face of overwhelming circumstances can be our joy in the face of our overwhelming circumstances. James says this is possible. In James chapter one, verse two, it says, consider it pure joy, my brothers, when you face trials of many kinds. That's an impossible thing to experience if not for Christ in us. If not for Jesus being united to him, becoming one with him in this mystery of faith in Christ, that he now dwells within us and gives us the ability to remove the fear that is irrational and reorient our rational fears. So here's where we're headed. That was all kind of way of introduction for the series as a whole. Here's where we're headed today. Uh, as we look to Jesus, we wanna really uh, focus in on what's true of Jesus because it's in the presence of Jesus, it's in the indwelling power of Jesus that fear begins to dissipate in a healthy way. So this, this morning, we're gonna look at Jesus as our sustainer. That we don't have to fear because he's our sustainer. Next week, we're gonna look at Jesus as our, our life and specifically, how does that speak to the reality that he has overcome death, therefore we have overcome death, therefore there is no fear in death. Then we'll look at Jesus as our shepherd, and then our treasure, and then our peace. Here's my challenge to you before we jump into what does it look like for Jesus to be our sustainer. My challenge is this. I wanna keep saying it over and over again. 
We don't want to look to Jesus in a way that would just be knowing about him, seeing him as a model, a great teacher, a great influence that I just need to strive to mimic. We want to look to Jesus. We want to look to Jesus as our master, the good, benevolent, caring, loving, tender, but yet empowering God that he is. We want to see Jesus as one who gives us every ability through his indwelling spirit to live the life, the fearless life that he's called us to live. So as Jesus is our sustainer, we're going to look at that. Let me pray. Father, thank you for this time together. We give it to you. We've prayed this already, but we just want to say again, as we look to you, O Jesus, is our sustainer, the one who sustains us in all things. Teach us now, O Lord. Fill us with wisdom that we wouldn't just know about you, but that we would know you. We pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. Psalm 55, 22 says this, such a simple verse, yet incredibly profound in its implications, says this, cast your burden on the Lord, and he, here's the promise, he will sustain you. Cast your burden on him, he will sustain you. That word sustain means, other, other ways that you can translate that word means maintain, support, nourish, endure, guide, provide sustenance. Other ways that this word is translated in the Old Testament is feed, he will feed you, uh, abide, there's uh, hold or hold up, and then there's bear, bear up, bear with. I love all those different ways that we can think about this word sustain. He will sustain you, he will feed you, he will nourish you, he will hold you up, he will abide with you. Cast your burdens upon the Lord. He will sustain you. And so the question then, if we're thinking, if we're getting, trying to just get ahead of the argument maybe perhaps, is the next question is, well, then how do we know that he will sustain us? And we could say, well, because he says he will. And you say, okay, yeah, I get that. But is there, is there, is there ways that we can see in Scripture that we know that we know that we know that he will sustain us? And so I want you to think of like a movie scene where we've been zoomed in on a certain uh, a part of, of a story and, and the narrator of the movie perhaps, uh, the, the, the camera begins to pan out to a wider view and you zoom out and you zoom out and the next thing you know the narrator is saying, well to answer that question we have to go back to the beginning. And so that's what we're doing now. We're zooming out, we're looking big picture, and we're going back to the beginning again. I feel like a lot of my sermons lately, we've been going back to the beginning because who God is manifested for us in creation is so incredibly important to understanding so many things. Our identity is image, image bearers of Christ and so on and so forth. But this morning, I wanna look at just one simple truth, and that is that he is the powerful, powerful creator, but I want you to see with me where Jesus is in all this, the second person of the Trinity, the Son of God himself, the eternal Son of God. 
I used to ask when I was on college campuses a bit of a trick question. I would just say, how long has Jesus been around? And most often I'd hear, um, you know, I guess 2,000 years and say, well, trick question, yes. He came in human form 2,000 years, but the Son of God is part of the triune, the Trinity, the triune God, eternal. He has always been. And he was there at creation when God said, let us create man in our image, speaking to the, to the Godhead. And so when we go back to the beginning and we see God creating and speaking light and land and sea and animal and beasts of the fields and birds of the air and then ultimately man and woman and he's, he's creating these things by the word of his power, Jesus was there. The son of God was there as a part of that creative process. Listen to the word, the words of scripture, Hebrews 1, 1 and 2, it says this, it says, long ago, at many times, in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his son, whom he appointed the heir of all things. Now, let me just say this. So far, I've read, I've read what I've read, and in what I've read so far is a whole nother probably two or three sermons, okay? There's a lot in these verses, but I'm just pulling out a couple of things I want us to see this morning. Listen to what he says next. It says, whom he appointed the heir of all things, listen, through whom also he created the world. Through whom he created the world. You go to first John, or, or sorry, you go to the Gospel of John, chapter one, the first three verses say this. In the beginning was the Word, capital W, that's Jesus. The one through whom God speaks. That was what Hebrews just told us too. In the, in the, beforehand he talked through prophets, now he speaks through his Son, the word of God, and the word was with God, and the word was God. He was in the beginning with God. Listen, here it is again. All things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. It was all created through Christ, and without him nothing was created. Then you get to Colossians chapter 1. Let me read this one. Colossians chapter 1, verses 15 through 16 says, He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation, for by him all things were created. This is speaking of Jesus. In heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things were created through him and for him. Little side note here I just want to mention one of the reasons that so many people are miserable and habitually searching is because they've yet to find the one for whom they were created for. We were created by Christ and for Christ. But is this Jesus? This Jesus that we read through, about throughout all the pages of Scripture, is this Jesus through the power of God Almighty, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit, that creation came into being. Speaking a word, but, but it's this Jesus too who sustains all things. In those same two passages that we were reading, that I was reading to you from Hebrews and, and Colossians, it says this. In Hebrews 1, going right back to where we just were, if I continue reading in verse 3, it says, He is the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of his nature. 
He is God. And listen, and he upholds the universe by the word of his power. That word upholds is getting at the very same word as sustain. He sustains the universe. He upholds it. He bears it up. He keeps it. Here's the literal translation of this word. He keeps it from falling by the word of his power. The very same word that he spoke creation into being is the very same word that he keeps it from falling apart. It would only take Jesus saying one word and everything that holds together every molecule, every atom, every DNA strand, everything would fall apart. In Colossians, if we read the next verse that I just finished reading a second ago, you you go from verse 16 to 17 and it says this, and he is before all things and in him all things hold together. So it's this Jesus, the author and the perfecter of our faith, the one to whom we look to with eyes of faith, the one whom we not only see as our model, but we trust as our master. It is this Jesus who created, but also who sustains All things. You know who's included in all things? You and me. And so here's the key question. The key question that we have to ask is, if he is powerful enough to create the universe by the word of his power, if he is powerful enough to sustain and uphold the universe with the word of his power, do you think he's powerful and capable enough to sustain you and me in whatever he brings before us. You know, it makes me think about a story that I've taught often and recently. Gosh, only maybe even just a few weeks ago, everything runs together. I can't remember what I've (laughs) preached recently or what I haven't. The weirdness of the times. But just recently, I know, I preached um, the story of Jesus calming the storm. You'll find it in Matthew chapter eight. You'll find it in Mark chapter four. You'll find it in Luke chapter eight as well. It's a story that many are familiar with, even if you're not familiar with church. But it's a story where Jesus is in the boat with his disciples and a storm comes upon them like none they had ever seen. These professional fishermen are terrified. And Jesus somehow is asleep in the stern of the boat. And as they panic and fear for their lives, they finally awaken him. And do you know what he asks them? He says this. According to Matthew chapter 8, he says, Why are you afraid? Oh, you of little faith. (laughs) I laugh because... I can imagine the disciples thinking in that moment because he asked the question before he calms the storm. It's the winds are still howling. The waves are still lapping over the boat. They are close to sinking. They are thinking they're going to die. And it's in the midst of the chaos that he asked the question, why are you afraid? And I can imagine the disciples, I know I would be, would be like, are you serious? Why am I afraid? Do you see this? How am I not afraid? What what do you mean why am I afraid? 
And it's at that point, it's as if Jesus whispers back to us, do you not know who is with you? Are you unaware of my presence? Have you forgotten my power? There's two things that we see so prominently in that story about the character, about the attributes of Jesus that I want to hit just very quickly. First, we see the power of Christ as creator and sustainer of creation. The very one who spoke creation into being is the, with a word of his power is the very same one who can speak a word, hush, and it all calms. But you know what else we see in that story? We see the care of Christ as the present and personal savior that he is. He's not just powerful, certainly he is. But he's present, he's personal, and he's near. John Newton, I love this quote. He says this, if the Lord be with us, we have no cause to fear. His eye is upon us, his arm over us, his ear open to our prayer. His grace sufficient, his promise unchangeable. I want to share something with you that I think is critically important. I'm going to stand up. This is weird. I wanted to stay seated the whole time, but because when I stand, I tend to walk, but I'm going to try to look straight into the camera and not walk. Jesus calming the storm in those, in those recordings for us that Matthew and Mark and Luke recorded for us in the Bible. We love that story, but but most of the time we love that story because what Jesus ultimately did. We love the story because he calmed the storm. But when we look at the whole of Scripture, when we survey the landscape of Scripture, one of the things that we see very often is that he doesn't always calm the storm. In fact, most of the time he doesn't. In that instant, he did to show his power over creation and to show his care for the disciples. But often, he doesn't calm the the storm around us. But he is the Prince of Peace. He does calm the storm within us. And he is the one who sustains us through it. Why wouldn't he calm the storm when we want him to? Here's something I want you to take home with you today. and You're already home, so just let it sit where you are. Oftentimes, God doesn't calm the storms around us and give us what we want when we want it because he wants us to see him and experience him and know him as our sustainer, not just our provider. He is both. But if he's our sustainer, that means that oftentimes we only experiencing, experience him that way in the storm. Cast your burden upon him. He will sustain you. He is the all-powerful one, the one who is capable in the storm to calm it. But as long as he lets it rage, He is the personal and present one as well. The Savior who brings his peace. I hope you're experiencing him 
that way, running to him that way, even this morning, Christ, our sustainer. Father, we thank you for this time together this morning. We pray and ask that you would give us the ability to to trust you, almighty God. And as we do that, as we trust you, almighty God, we pray and ask that we would be able to experience you as the one who removes our irrational fears and reorients our rational ones. That in you, O oh Jesus, we would be able to live a life of joy even in the midst of storms because of your presence within us. Comfort our hearts, O oh Lord, this morning, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. You've been listening to the Perimeter Church Podcast. Perimeter Church is located at the corner of Highway 141 and Old Alabama Road in Johns Creek, Georgia. Please visit our website at www.perimeter.org for more information, to give us your feedback, and find other messages from our teaching team. Thanks for making this podcast a part of your day. Thank you.